All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast, and I'm excited about where we're going to go today. Um, I really want to explore this idea of clarity, because I've had my own journey with clarity, and I actually think it's one of the secrets to wealth, but we'll we'll get to all that. Uh, and also this idea of being multi-passionate, having multi multiple disciplines, not being one-dimensional. I think this is a really brilliant idea, a really brilliant concept, and it all comes from Jatia Jones, our guest today. Welcome, Jatia, to Black Equity Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have this discussion with you today. Yes, I've been I've been seeing you on my Instagram feed for a while, and you always have this positive, joyous, uh, wonderful spirit about you, and I've been meaning to get you on the podcast so I can understand uh, your journey, where you've been, where you're going, and then how we can help other people on their journey as well. Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess just a little bit about me. I'm Jatia Jones of Jatia Jones Consulting. Um, and my mission is to remove the negative narrative around multi-passionates, um, but I do that mainly through clarity. Um, in corporate, I'm known as a communication and strategy consultant. So for multi-passionate entrepreneurs or small entrepreneurs, I really help them hone in and identify their purpose is what we'll just call it in layman's terms so that they can really hone in into their passions and in their purpose to have a more fulfilling um, life in general and then go on to help others do that too. Um, the underlying tone is community sustainability. I have a, a personal belief that when we embody all of who we are, not just who we've been conditioned to be or told who we are by our titles, um, that's our secret sauce into unlocking basically like the matrix. And so we can create the reality of tomorrow that we really would love to reside in. However, we conform to the traditional ways of business um, because that's what people have done for so long. So my mission is to help us step outside the box embody all that we are so that we can create a better reality for the future. Oh, this is going to be fun. I can already sense it. <laughs> so when you say, I want to try to understand uh, the difference between the two, when you mm -hmm. say traditional versus maybe non-traditional, where are we going with that? What is the common idea of what a traditional work environment is or the traditional career uh, pathway. Definitely. So we, um, since COVID especially, have seen this paradigm shift when it comes to business, right? We had quiet quitting. We had the great resignation when everybody was like, now it's time to come back into the office. And people are like, um, I value my mental health a whole lot more now that I've been able to be at home or do life differently. And so traditional business consisted of, you know, you work yourself into the ground, um, you work up the corporate ladder, you do all the things to conform and fit in to make sure that you can have that successful transition, um, especially being a woman of color when you're working in corporate in um, the good old boys club, as they call it, you have to conform. You have to make sure your hair looks a certain way. You have to make sure you speak a certain manner. You have to dress. And so it's a lot of not being you it's a lot of putting your desires to the side or your passions even some of your skill sets and how smart you really are 
to the side, you diminish that and so that you can fit into the pipeline that was previously created. And so since COVID has happened, um, there's been a great shift and there um, is a big shift of uh, what Patrice Washington calls purpose chasers, but those who are really like, okay, I want to do something that's more fulfilling. I want to switch into a work environment that um, fosters that. And then they're like, but wait, what is my purpose? What do I really do? I only know myself by my title of graphic designer or VP of this or um, project manager of that. And it takes them to take a step back, which a lot of my clients then reach out to me for this clarity. And it, it's a journey. It's a it's an internal journey um, to remove yourself from all that is and tap back into as I say, your inner toddler, um, and really ask all those whys, but why, but why, until we really hone in deep and you figure out who you are, what's the common thread that ties together all of your different passions, and then what career field will better foster that um, so that you can then take that pivot. I love this. Did you have to go through this journey yourself in order to be able to help others go through this journey? Most definitely, and it's you know, <laughs> as I tell my friends, I'm like, it sucks, but it's so worth it. Um, yes, I did. So I was working for the military um, in a corporate setting for many, many moons. And I would be like, does anybody else see what's going on here? Does this make any sense to anybody else but me? Um, I felt like my brain cells were dying slowly in cube land. Um, and I wasn't fulfilled. And so to filled that void, I did all of my passions as side hustles, or as I, at the time I called them small businesses, but they were more like very expensive hobbies. Um, and then I was like, this, this isn't it. This isn't it. And I had to take myself on my own clarity journey and walk myself through what I call the ABCs of clarity, accepting, believing, connecting. And then um, okay. um, from there, you know, once I accepted, okay, Jatia, this more that you're feeling that you're destined for, it's out there. Um, we don't know what this is, but let's go figure it out. Um, accepting that the way business was done, even though I saw a more cohesive way of solving certain problems, they didn't want to make that change. So maybe you need to be the blueprint. Maybe you're the one to make the change. Accepting that those that I saw potential in, my colleagues who were good with the stability or safety of staying in um, this environment, they're not meant to go along, even though you do see great potential in them. Um, and then just believing that you could, because you know life beats you down and internally you're like, I can, but then the whispers of doubts are like really loud and no one else hears them but you. And they're like, no, you can't. Um, or you know, if it was meant to be, somebody else would have done it already. And so then really connecting the dots between the past, the present, and where I wanted to go and connecting with people to help me make that happen. And so once I started going through the ABCs, it's, it, it kind of snowballed into this whole journey of what is today. You know, as you're talking, I'm just having like flashbacks of different meetings I was in or different roles that I played. I used to work for uh, a bank uh, here in North Carolina. And I just remember a lot of the things that you were saying about thinking, well, this could be done so much better. 
more so much more efficiently. Um, our our opinions, our skill sets are not valued. We're really more like robots in human form. And I just remember uh, reaching a point where my mind was boggled down with uh, what's the word? Uh, feeling trapped in a way. And so one day after I had situated some things out for myself, I said, I just got to go. I had saved up. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to go off and be an entrepreneur. I hadn't started a podcast yet. hadn't did anything uh, that people see today, but I knew I wanted something different for my life. And so it's Mm -hmm. so interesting hearing you say this because I didn't know that Jatia uh, existed right? I didn't know about the ABCs. I just knew something was off. And so I'm really glad that I'm now able to start putting uh, an understanding of what the heck I went through. But even more uh, interesting is after I left corporate and went off on on my own journey, I found that other entrepreneurs that I was bumping into they were also in their own funk. I didn't escape the the fog of people being lost just because I left corporate America. The fog was still in people who were acquiring real estate or acquiring businesses or running uh, their uh, beauty supply store or whatever it is. There was, there was still a fog out there of people who didn't really know who they were or they only knew one side of themselves. And so that, that's where I really got interested in your concept about multi, being able to uh, be more than one dimensional. So tell me more about where that comes from or where that stemmed from. Yeah, so, you know, they try to shun anything that isn't follow the leader. And so most multi-passionists have always heard the term jack of all trades, master of none. And they kind of stop there, even though the rest of the saying says that's still better than a master of one. And so when I started to deep dive into this word multi-passionate, right? There was only Marie Ferilio, honestly, when I started, but the the others that started to come along were just like, oh, it's okay to be multi-passionate. And I'm like, I know that, duh. (laughs) But I'm out here searching for more structure. Like, how Mm -hmm. do I really master and hone in on what I consider to be a superhero power or a gift? How do I learn how to master my powers, right? And so that was also part of my clarity journey because I was like, this is a good thing that I can do this, I can do this, and I can do this, and I'm good at all of these things. However, I'm told that I need to niche down. I'm told I got to choose one. And every time I'm told that, I feel like I'm suffocating. And I'm like, but why? Because I know they all go together. I might not really know how they all go together. But in my gut, I know they all go together. And so for me, you know, I went on this journey. I'm a certified bartender. I'm a certified nail tech. My degree is in technical communication and public health. Um, I can do instructional design, graphic design, like tech, right? Like, there's so many things that I can do. I enjoy doing them. And I'm like, but how does this, it has to all go together. And so 
as I call them, downloads or God ideas, and I'm journaling, I started to realize, you know, I asked the question, well, are multi-passionates made or are we born this way? Mm. And initially I was like, we're born this way, you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, not really. So it's, um, I call it the multi-passionate life cycle. And so as kids, we're in this exploration phase, they let us play and our favorite color changes every other day. And then at some point your parents, who, in my opinion, love out of safety and safety means I have to get you ready to have a good job so you can take care of yourself. And so at a very young age, we're pushed to be like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're forced to choose. So if you say superhero, then they're going to be like, well, what about a doctor? And so most kids are like, well, I'm going to be a superhero doctor, right? <laughs> and so then you go to school and it's all about focusing and niching down and honing in and figuring out what your specialty is going to be. Then we get out of school. Either we go into some type of trade or we go to college. And then it's like, what is your major? And at 18 years old, they're like, the rest of your life depends on this major. So you gotta choose wisely. And most of us choose the thing that we think is gonna make the most money. Not the thing that lights us up, right? So then we get the jobs and we're hopping from career to career because one, that's what we're told to do, get more money, go up the ladder. Um, and you're embodying all these different skill sets and different experiences from different people in different environments. Um, and then one day we get to the point where we're like, the money's not enough or there's not enough money, if not both. For me, it was both. I was like, y'all can't pay me enough money to stay in this toxic environment and y'all don't pay me enough, period. And even if you gave me more money, because when I got ready to leave, they were like, well, would you stay if we paid? No, 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 I would not. I'm out. Mm -hmm. um, and that is when most of us are like, okay, let me go on a journey to figure this thing out. We've done some little side businesses. We wish that they would catch fire and save us from the nine to five arena, so to speak. But most of us don't know business. We know passion, um, which is why most nonprofits don't last community um, things don't last because the person is all about the giving and the serving and not the business portion and lack that structure. So that's where I come in and I start to help people, you know, figure this thing out and tie all of the things that you don't think go together with a big red bow and say, this is your gift. Here you go. Go off, be great. Here's some resources and tools to help you actually do that. Now go change the world because majority of them like I said, I'm a bartender, I'm an nail tech, I'm a this, I'm a that. And people would look at me and label me as these things, but not know that I have a heart for community, that I have a heart for maybe a little bit of rebellion. And let's do things different. Let's shake some stuff up and make things happen differently. I'm a big dreamer of making dreams come true. And um, to me, that's all what it boils down to. It's like you have this idea, you're supposed to make it into reality. Um using the gifts and skills that you are, that you were born with and that you have. Um, and so taking them and maybe not making all of them into individual businesses, which most of us try to do, but just using those skills to make the one gift change the world. Mm, okay. Okay. I see where we're, we're headed here. You mentioned superpowers mm -hmm. with an S. The reason why I'm putting this out there because I hear so many times in the social media world, 
and I guess regular world as well about, you know, you're powerful. You can go do it. It's usually very singular. It's, it's usually this one thing that you can go do. You can do that. But then once you start talking about having multiple streams, I'm not even talking about income. I'm just talking about multiple streams of desires. All of a sudden it becomes, well, hold on now. I'm not sure you can do that. Like for many people that listen to this podcast or they see a glimpse of me on social media, see our business page, they have no idea that I have a whole nother world that I exist in uh, away from, because many people think I'm serious all the time. But if you really got to know me, you would know that I'm watching comedy shows a lot or I'm watching things that I'm really laughing all day. But then when I'm talking about a serious topic, I tend to be a little bit more serious. And so I bring this up because I was thinking about this cartoon, uh, Inspector Gadget. Not sure if you're familiar. Yes. Okay, okay. Go, go, Gadget. Go, go, Gadget, go. And so I was thinking about all the different gadgets he would have. Imagine if Inspector Gadget only operated off of one gadget for their for his entire career of being Inspector Gadget, there wouldn't first of all there probably wouldn't be a show, but then he wouldn't be able to maneuver through all the different dangers and things that he had to go through. And so I'm always curious of why in this society we want to limit people to one gadget or one way of thinking or being one dimensional when we were born, first of all, we were born wealthy mentally and spiritually but we have so many so many different talents within us why is society trying to limit us you know in my opinion unfortunately it's the basics that people want to keep basic they don't want to have to strive for better and the more people they can get to be basic and not dream and not shine a light that there's more and not inspire people and encourage people to do more and have more and be more. It takes away from their control. It takes away from their wealth. Um, and so there is a very small population that really co-inspires to keep everybody sedentary and not believing and not dreaming and not creating anything new because that shines a light on their insecurities and their lack and that you're not actually doing anything. And so, you know, that's, that's my personal opinion. But I tell people all the time, I'm like, especially when you go on this, this purpose journey and you gain clarity, the first thing that you really go through is a shedding season. You shed those family places, people and things that are not meant to go with you on the next version of your elevation, those basic people. And for a lot of us, it's hard, right? Because it's our close friends. It's the ones your day ones. Um, but if you really love this person, in my opinion, it's not fair to force them to elevate higher when they're not ready or that's not what they want to do. And it's not fair to you to migrate lower to a lower vibration just to stay in company with these people. Um, because that prevents you from being great and elevating to what you need to do. And unfortunately, it takes courage 
to do things differently. It takes courage to speak out against um, traditional ways. It takes courage to actually talk about things that don't exist already, that people can't see the intangible and then actually make it tangible. So in my opinion, those people don't have the courage to do things and they just try to galley everybody around them to be in that space so that they don't have to be better or do better or that the light shines that they actually are basic. So we're about to dive into something here and I'm, I'm sensing, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sensing a little bit of conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Okay. I accept that title. I'm I'm with you. (laughs) I, I don't, I don't, I never saw it as conspiracy theory. I always saw it as critical thinking. Right. Agreed, which they and, took out of the education system a long time ago. Yes, and they I did. Why. Yes, they did. And you said you were in the military. I grew up around a military family. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't in it, but I was like in it. Mm-hmm. And so I would see, I, I remember being, I don't know, probably under eight years old and having to go on base with my, my father. And one moment I'm talking to him and then somebody walks up who, who some random person. And now he has to tighten up and change his, his demeanor. I had no idea what was going on. So I guess it was somebody at a higher rank than know, him. Yeah. Right. And so I always said to myself back then, cause I didn't understand it all the way. I always said to myself, I don't want to ever get to a place in my life where I have to change who I am because somebody else walked in the room. Now, mm-hmm. that's me. That's just me as a child not understanding the dynamics. I'm sure there's a really great reason of respect, and I'm sure it was nothing harmful. But as the childlike uh, mind I had, it just felt very controlling to me. It felt very manipulative to me that these group of people uh, would stop everything because somebody said something or because somebody told them to do something and it felt so forceful. And I started realizing that once my parents got out of the, the military, it didn't stop there. I thought it was just a military thing. I said, oh, thank God, you know, we, we're out in the military. We're going off into, I'm going to public school in Florida at the time. And I'm like, wait, the teachers are talking to the kids almost like this is a military situation all over again. You mentioned the educational system. Why am I bringing all this up? We were talking about conspiracy theory. Do you think, I think I know the answer. Do you think people are purposely trying to make sure we don't have clarity so that we can't fully see who we are? Yes, 125%. Yes. Because if you do. Go ahead. If people of color do, especially, we're already excelling being under the foot of racism and systemic racism and all the things. If clarity was there, if healing was there, if more people of color received therapy and the help we needed to gain the clarity as to why we are doing some generational things that you know, we're started by people we may not even have met when they weren't alive when we were born. If we really, truly grasp this level of clarity and understanding, 
the world would shift. Things would be different. In my opinion, things would be better because there wouldn't be a said level of control by a small population. Hmm. So we're about to go down the conspiracy theory avenue for a second here. But it's going to all be wrapped up around clarity and multi-passionate. It all relates. So it was a couple of years ago. I don't know when. You know, time is in many ways an illusion, but that's just that's a whole nother. It was a couple of years ago, and the government shut down. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm one of those people where whenever I catch a flaw in the system, of any system, it could be a McDonald's all the way up to the highest heights. I'll catch a flaw, and I'm like, wait a second. The emperor is not wearing any clothes. I can see now that what that person just did means that all of it's fake, whatever it may be. The government had shut down a few years ago, and supposedly there was no government at the time. And I remember this is before pandemic, if I'm not mistaken. We'll get to so the they did a furlough second. in 2013, and then again, I think in like 2018. There we go, somewhere in there, right? And I said the government shut down, but people are still operating as if we need a government. Okay. Like I remember saying, okay, the government shut down. There's still people protesting a government that's being shut down. It's all imaginary. We're like, we're, we're, we're stuck in this thing where we think we need, we think we answer to this imaginary thing called the government. And I don't mean any disrespect to, to government people, all respect. I'm just saying the government is supposed to work for us. And I started gaining this clarity back then. I started seeing maybe a a glimpse through the matrix. And I started realizing that a lot of us are waiting for the government to answer questions that they're never going to listen to, or they're not even equipped to answer. Really, you can go do all these different things on your own. You don't need government approval. And I'm just curious in this uh, mind of yours, brilliant mind of yours. Do you think that people are often uh, too reliant on outside entities in order to be sufficient in society? Yes, in various different ways, but yeah, I do. Because honestly, the government was shut down, but it wasn't shut down. Um, it was still functioning. But yes, yes, that, that that piece of a rebel in me says, do things differently. You know, what does a cliche say? Um, a pot, don't ask for permission, apologize later, or something like that. Something like that, yes. Why not give that a try every now and again? Now, I do love structure and order and all that kind of stuff, but there's a certain thing or it gets to a certain point in my opinion where that inner toddler that critical thinker is like but why but why and if it don't make sense maybe something different needs to be done in the words of young Gotti, people lie 
And women lie, men lie, numbers don't lie. Like, if it doesn't make sense, people. This is the first uh, Yo Gotti uh, quote ever mentioned on Black Equity Podcast. I didn't know it would ever happen, but I will accept <laughs> it. So my other conspiracy theory is the pandemic itself. Mm -hmm. This essential worker thing happened where it was it was crazy it was like a reverse it was like a mind flip hey we we shouldn't go out here because it's harmful and people could get hurt and and be injured or, or pass away but we're going to send out these essential workers and put them in harm's way but the essential workers all seem to be people who get paid the least, most of them. And we're going to put them in harm's way over this thing that we don't even fully understand and potentially jeopardize their lives in order for the country to start moving again. Because prior to that, it was maybe a week or two span where at least it appeared, of course, I wasn't everywhere, it appeared basically there was a real shutdown. Like you said, the, the government didn't really shut down. It felt like when the pandemic hit the first week or two, when people were trying to figure out what's going on, and at least in the United States portion, it was a real shutdown almost, where the roads were clear, no one was really going anywhere. People were really confused about what they were going to do. I mean, people just uh, started making all kinds of content thinking the world was going to end. And during that time, they decided, well, we're going to put essential workers back out there. Why did they decide this? Because at the, at the time, nothing was moving. Like the economy was still, money wasn't moving hands as easily as it usually does. And all of a sudden, we started seeing that the system is nothing without cons consumerism. It, it needs, it's this beast that needs human beings to be in a uh, state of confusion and non-clarity to give away the money to keep this thing flowing. And for, I would say, and this, is, this might just be me, for a week or two, people started gaining clarity in their life. They started saying, well, why am I going out there? Why am I having to go do this? They actually had a time to take a break and get away from the everyday hustle and bustle. Did you notice anything during those first two weeks or during the entire couple year uh, time frame of this major event that we're calling a pandemic? Did you notice anything where there may have been a glitch in the matrix where people may have started to catch on like, yo, I think I'm seeing the world differently than I've ever seen it before? I think it was twofold. You know, a lot of times people spend money to fill a void. Um, a lot of times people can't be still because it requires them to hear those thoughts, sit with themselves, and they don't like themselves. And instead of making themselves better and taking the time to make themselves better, they want to continuously keep moving, right? So I saw one or the other either people sat down and they got the clarity that they needed they got back to basics 
they were gardening, they were cooking, they were spending time with family, they were Zooming and talking to family that they haven't spoken to in a really long time. Um, I know some people even started um, trying to cook family recipes together. I had a sorority sister who started doing virtual cooking classes and people started coming together in an out of the box or non-traditional way. Zoom increased in its value like 20 fold because it was an outside of the box way of still doing life. Um, those businesses that thrived figured out a way to do things in a non-traditional way. Those that were stuck in doing it are not any, not here any longer. There we go. Um, but yeah, so you either got a lot of clarity, which was, I was one of those people. I'm thankful, you know, it was a gift and a curse to have the pandemic happen. Um, but it was a lot of blessings in that for me specifically, where I did get the time to actually sit down and be like, wow, like out of that came the multi-passionate life cycle. Out of that came a lot of different things um, that I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Or, oh, maybe this. Or, you know, it just it just birthed a lot of different things. But then I also saw a lot of people who were literally going um, crazy being in the house. They didn't want to sit down. They wanted to be out. I'm a people person. I'm no, you don't have peace by yourself. Um, and so they didn't gain any more clarity. They gained more frustration. You just said something. We gotta we gotta jump on that. Some people, I'm gonna try to remix what you just said, but you said you don't even have peace within yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna remix it with a word that we've had it throughout the entire episode. You don't have clarity within yourself. So how are you going to make things clear for the people around you? I've noticed that you have, uh, you ever read uh, The Four Agreements? Mm -hmm. There's one of my favorite parts in The Four Agreements is the actual intro. And it talks about how you and I, we both live in our own dream world. And the only thing that stops us from understanding our, each other's dream world is this thing he calls like a fog, mm -hmm. something along those lines. I've always loved that because when, when I first listened uh, to the audio book of The Four Agreements, I could literally see that as I'm talking with people inside their own, I, I think there's a quote, even a quote out there that says, uh, every mind is its own universe right and so I may see things totally a whole nother way than you do and there's nothing wrong with it but if we're if we're communicating or trying to communicate without comprehension then that's when there could be a boggle of thoughts and ideas and of understanding of, of each other's uh viewpoints mm -hmm. I bring this up I bring this up because I think there's a lot of people who aren't clear on who they are, mm -hmm. who lack clarity. Oh, I'm going somewhere here. Just, just follow me here. And have propped themselves up as experts. Mm. Oh, goodness. Woo. Or influencers or whatever, leaders, bosses, 
I don't know, all the different, you know, all the stuff people call themselves. And so then people get wrapped into a great marketing campaign and they get pulled into this confusion, not knowing that it's confusion. They think it's clarity. And so now they're playing the confusion game and they're running around confused and bringing other people into the confusion. And it just happens over and over again until confusion can only last for so long before it topples over like a, like a house of cards. Mm. And I'm seeing it on social media daily where the information, I did an episode I gotta, I'm, I'm trying to get you into this universe in my mind. <laughs> I did this episode back in October about uh, the Pandora Papers. You ever heard of this before? Yeah. There, there's the, the largest financial leak in history. It's called the, fi- uh, the Pandora Papers. And basically it, it encompasses 130 billionaires up to $32 trillion all being stored offshore and non-taxed. And they find out who these people are and where the money is stored and how they got their money and how they've been able to dodge taxes for the most part, legally. Mm -hmm. Right? I bring up the Pandora Papers to make a point about information. When I looked up who covered that story, and we didn't really touch on this all the way yet. Now we're getting into a, a race conversation. When I looked up who covered that story, it was basically everybody but Black people. And when I talked to Black people, or whatever we want to call ourselves, African-American, I don't mean any disrespect. When I talked to Black folk, and I said, do you know about the Pandora Papers? 99% of us know nothing about the largest financial leak of documents in history. And it only happened a year or two ago. It's not like, you know, in the sixties or something, this is like October 4th, 2021. Why do I bring it up? Because I think a lot of people, especially in financial sector are doing things that are actually in a state of confusion. So the name of the episode that I'm referring to that we did was called The Wealth is Stored Up for the Righteous. And it, it plays off of the scripture around the same concept. Um, I noticed that Black media wasn't covering the story. Black post- podcasters weren't covering the story. I mean, we got in the shade room. We got, oh, goodness, celebrity gossip. We got so much, so much information out there but I couldn't find anyone talking about the Pandora Papers. Why does that matter? I believe if we're talking about wealth gaps, sustainability, being free, clarity, I believe that this was one of the missing links I've been looking for my entire life uh, as a child, because I've been studying this wealth thing for so long. I always wanted to know, where's the wealth? I found it. And when I went to go tell our people about it, because it didn't have a a get-rich-quick scheme tied to it, because it wasn't overly branded and overly marketed, 
because it was clear. Sometimes I think clarity scares those who want to be confused. Factual. <laughs> $32 trillion store of offshore. They show you how to do it. They show you uh, the documentations that are used in order to basically plan your portfolio, the type of assets they're invested in. All you would have to do is dig. It's all public information. Why am I saying this? There's, I think there's a hidden agenda. I know I said I was going down conspiracy theorist alley here. I'm going to get off of it in a second. I think there's an agenda to keep Black people confused about money and wealth and prosperity. And I think many people are afraid to be, uh, afraid to have clarity because then that would uh, interrupt their entertainment. They would, they would have to cut out reality TV. They would have to cut out, when you know the truth, you can no longer live the lie. And that would mean you would have to change up everything. Go ahead. I've been talking long enough. No, I'm in 100% agreement with that. You know, like I said earlier, so like my podcast is called the Confident and Courageous Clarity Podcast. Yes, it is. Right? I did check it out as well. Well, thank you. Yes, but it's named that because confidence and confidence comes with competency. Mm. You can't have competency without clarity. Once you have all of that, you have the confidence you need to go despite fear, despite, you know, now knowing more. Because sometimes knowing more um, is more hurtful than not, right? Yes. So when you when you don't know, so for example, like using COVID or the pandemic, when you don't know how bad it is or how serious it is or how it's transmitted or, you know, and you buy into the fact that they're like, oh, it's just this, and you can get this, and you'll be fine. Um, it gives you the freedom, mentally, emotionally, to still go and do what you want to do, right? So, like, I was telling my family, I was like, I know they say that the vaccine is X, Y, and Z. However, comma, um, it's a virus. Most vaccines that work the way they were explaining it work for diseases, not for viruses. Yeah, they're comparing it to the flu because the flu is a virus. However, comma, <laughs> it is not going to prevent you from getting it, uh, which is what the propaganda was that they were putting out there. But I use that example because half of my family didn't want to listen. And it's coming from somebody with a public health background that works in immunology and works with immunizations on a day-to-day -day basis at the time. Mm. but you didn't want to listen to me well the tv and well this says and well that says because like the cliche says ignorance is bliss and so to your point even when it comes to wealth even when it comes to you and about you having that clarity means now i have to actually do some work now I actually have to do something different than this easy solution that they've given me. Now I can't, you know, ride on the coattails that 
you know, I'm the local town's, you know, best football player ever. And so I'm a local superstar. If I remove that title, who am I? Oh, that means I got to do work to actually be somebody. Like it's, it's a lot of work. Now that I know the truth, when it comes to wealth, I got to study. I got to take a risk and actually invest my money. And it'd be my fault if it goes downhill because I didn't study or I did some, it's not somebody else's fault. I can't point the finger. So it, it's a, it's a cycle. And it just goes back to you having to do the work and clarity creates competence, which then creates confidence. But if you don't do any of that, you're walking around scared and it's just easier to blend in and do what everybody else does or what everybody else tells you to do or be. One of the reasons why I was excited about this episode is I know you've built your podcast up and I always love podcasting with another podcaster who gets it. Doesn't mean we got to agree. I'm okay with you see the world one way. I see the world another way, as long as we're respectful. But I noticed as I was listening to some things and of course your IG, I'm like, oh no, we see, we start, we see something similar. I believe, and this is a conspiracy theory. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just throwing it out there. I think somebody within the black community is purposely misleading black folk. Why do I say this? Let me, let me, I gotta say this. I gotta say this. Because we're pushing these brands and companies that are built around closing the racial wealth gap. Mm-hmm. And on the same platforms that they're saying that they're going to close the racial wealth gap and it's all about financial literacy and it's all about, it's like all the buzzwords, all the mm-hmm. SEO words that would get people in. They're not talking about the Pandora Papers. Now, what I re- I, I, I beg of you, when you get a chance, type in Pandora Papers, it'll take you to the this has been done with over 200 something journalists who review this and just take an hour whenever you get time and just see all the stuff that's in it and then revisit the last 30 seconds of what I said and mm-hmm. then compare it next to your largest black media websites and look at all the stuff they talk about when it comes to racial wealth gap. And and then pair those two together and you'll see something is not right when you hold up gold and fool's gold next to each other isn't i mean as much as fool's gold looks great and it sounds great it might even um you might be able to use it to trick people in order to gain things from it but it doesn't mean it's the real thing there's this uh thing in finance called gresham's law you ever heard of gresham's law gresham's law is uh this concept i can't remember the guy's first name but his last name was gresham And he says that bad money drives out good money. Here's what I mean. If you have a quarter from the 30s and then a quarter from yesterday that was just printed. Now, the quarter from yesterday is newly printed, looks wonderful. I mean, it's the best looking quarter ever. But the Quarters in the 1930s were made out of real silver, like 
you know. And so it says it's worth 25 cents, but a sharp mind would say, wow, real silver, it may be worth more than that because what they're making quarters out of now is not real silver. We don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. So Gresham's law says bad money drives out the good money. So if you walk into a supermarket with both quarters, you're always going to spend the quarter that's not made out of silver and the silver will always stay in your pocket or be locked away in a safe or somewhere else because bad money pushes away good money and good money never stays in circulation. Now I'm going to remix Gresham's law just a little bit here. I think there's Gresham's law when it comes to information. I think bad information is driving out good information. Agreed. I think what appears to be sound advice and things that we should be paying attention to is really fool's gold or that 25 cent quarter with no silver backing to it or no gold backing to it. And I think the good money, the things that could last generationally is hidden away. Now I'm going to say something and I mean this with all love and sincerity. I think you're good money. Hold on, hold on, let me, let me, let me follow up. (laughs) I think you're good money. I think you're great information. I think you are in many ways a lighthouse in the middle of chaos. And I think so many people are looking around for answers that you may have, but because misinformation is out there, it's getting spent first. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to grab hold of whatever else is out there and try this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And then here you are, you got your, you got your podcast sitting there, you got the consulting firm sitting there and it's a lighthouse and the answers are right there in front of them. But until they can let go of the fake-ish that has flooded the market, they're always going to be holding on to something that's not real. I was excited about having this conversation because clarity is one of the true foundations of wealth. And very few people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. I literally just had a conversation um, yesterday about how people don't prioritize clarity. It's Mm. the last thing on the list. And so I get a lot of people, um, what made me actually start to hone in on multi-passionates, it's because so many of us were wasting money. We would go get the branding coach or we would go get the copywriter or the the pretty stuff. I mean, you know, it's needed in business. However, as a multi-passionate, when you go to them, They're like, oh, well, we're going to start with this business. Maybe you should let those go or, you know, we'll start with this one and then we'll work on that stuff. And most multi-passionates conform and be like, well, okay, I guess that's what I need to do. That's how business is done. And then they come to me and I'm like, no, that's not how business is done. Let's talk about all of your different passions. I'm together with this common thread, the synergies between all of them. And let's then present that thing. Let's give you clarity around what you really do, not how you do it. Because your passions are how 
you do your purpose. They're how you create revenue doing your purpose. So when you know exactly what you do, then you go to the branding person and say, this is what I do. I need branding around this. Then nine times out of 10, they're going to brand you as a person and your gifts and your skill set. And then you can say, because I am great at this, I have an interior design business and a dog grooming business. I make things pretty. That's your gift. So yeah, dogs and curtains, most people wouldn't think they go together, but they do. And so a lot of them wasted money on the pretty before they were clear, even though they thought they were clear. And then they would come to me and want to negotiate prices. That's not what we do. Mm. This is gold. Once you have clarity, it unlocks so much. It literally is like your key to success in personal and professional. And it took me a minute to realize that I'm technically a personal and professional development coach because when we talk clarity and we talk your business, we also include like, what's the lifestyle that you want to live? So if you want to be home with your kids and apparently you don't want that type of business, let's focus on what you really, really want so that you can actually succeed at life and business, right? And so as you say that, yes, clarity is gold. And people want to spend money on pretty first because of what traditional business has taught us. That's the first step. Not knowing that when you go to any other business solution person, they start with trying to gain clarity from you. And if they can't, they're just going to funnel you down what they normally do anyway. Exactly. I sense that from you very early on. I I have a, I believe I have, one of my gifts, one of my gadgets is a uh, spirit of discernment. Mm. So I'll be listening to you on a live or you would be posting your, your videos. I'm like, wow, not only you would be surprised how many people are talking about something, but then their content pushes out the opposite energy. Mm-hmm. So for example, in an alternate universe, there's another person out there who is pushing out clarity, but then all their content is confusing. And I'm, I would look at that in an alternate universe and I would say, well, how are you going to teach me about clarity? And it's not clear of what you are even talking about. I have no clarity. I didn't get that from you. So I would listen to you. Say that again. I said, I'm glad. Thank you. Oh, well, I mean, you probably Because <laughs> they're definitely this. my own days. And I'm like, does this make any sense to anybody else? Is it just me? So I appreciate it. <laughs> it, made, it made perfect sense to me. Uh, I see the gold. Now, on my other podcast called How to Acquire, where we talk about uh, how to acquire assets, how to acquire knowledge, anything acquisitions-based, I have this episode called uh, pure gold. And it was really a play off of words because the I was studying black billionaires. There was this billionaire in Africa who started off his career mining gold. And he had to go through the fire of being tested in business to become a billionaire. And so I'm, 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 I'm trying to get the audience to understand uh, how you got there. 
And he got there because he's pure gold. Because if he had went through the fire and he wasn't pure gold, he would have never made it out the other side. It would have melted. Wouldn't have been real. That's real good. Right? And so when you say you're pure gold, follow me here. Please walk with me. When you say you're pure gold, that means I know that you've been fire tested. Right? And I don't know all the fires you've walked through. Right. But I know there are some fires that you had to walk through. And I also know back to my Gresham's law theory, that means that the weak ish is in the streets right now being sold and they're looking for the pure substance. And so I believe, and I don't say this just because this is black equity podcast, but I do believe that majority of the time, the pure gold comes here eventually. Because I don't just talk to just anybody. I want people who want access to clarity to reach out to you, who are ready to do the real work and be prepared to go to not necessarily another level. But another level. Another version of you. Another version of you. I love that. I want them to be able to, I believe in building networks. I want people to listen to this episode and be like, yo, I got pure gold right here. The weak is out in the streets being being tossed out. But the real money, the real gold is being stored in this podcast. Now, before we let people know how they can access you, how they can reach out, even if you want me to pull up your website, I will. Before we can do that, just give me just a little sample. What fire did you walk through? That lets you know that you are pure gold. You ain't got to tell the whole story, but what was that fire? Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Which one do we want to choose? Um, But you know, it's funny because early on in the podcast, you said that I always seem joyful. And so I had a roommate back in the day and she was so upset. She's like, why are you always so happy? And I was like, (laughs) what is the problem? And I had to tell, I was like, what I go through in life is not your fault. So I'm not going to come to you angry, which is one of my personal mantras. Um, now, if it's your fault, you're going to catch the smoke. But that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, mm-hmm. what you focus on is what you get. And so if I focus on the miserable, the bad, the ugly, the fire, then I'm going to just produce more of those trials and tribulations, right? And so I tend to choose joy and gratitude on most days. Um, but with that being said, that's why I'm like, which fire? Um, but, you know, since I'm honing in on multi-passionates right now, I'll just say being a multi-passionate. Being a multi-passionate is not an easy road. Being a trailblazer, doing things different, being the blueprint, it is not easy. You get shunned. Being from the South, don't get too big for your bitches. You don't forget where you came from, um, especially from family, right? Mm-hmm. Um and those that you love. And so that being the different one, being the black sheep in your area code, a zip code when nobody else truly understands you or gets you, doesn't feel good. And for a lot of people, they don't rise above that. They succumb to it. And so being able to push through that and continue on and be like, you know what? I think this is how it should be. So I'm gonna give it a try. That that is a fire in itself. And I don't think a lot of people really pay attention to the fire from 
from family and friends, like that support system or being able to have the people to rally you on and cheer you on. Um, because those that do, even when they don't get it, I did a post not long ago about two of my childhood best friends. And I was like, to this day, they still don't understand what I do. But they're like, you know what? Let's go. How can I help? I'm excited. What are you doing? Um, and so even when they don't understand, to have support is everything. To have that understanding, to be understood is big. So that's why I also try to create a safe community for multi-passionates to say the wild outlandish things. Um, like think about the guy who makes cell phones. Like back then, you gonna have a phone that we carry around in our pocket, not a house phone, not a what, and it does what? It bounces off as a second. Do we need to get you some help? Like to be that person that says these things and still talks and walks the walk until you can make your vision a tangible thing for others to see. And now all of a sudden you're this trailblazer and icon. But the road before that was very lonely. It was very hard. Um, and so that's just one of my fires. You mentioned something. It brought back a memory about being a black sheep. That was one of the pieces of content you had put out months ago. You talked about being a black sheep and maybe you had even talked about it before then. And I just caught, you know, another version of that content. And I remember sharing that on Black Equity Network uh, business page and um, thinking to myself, we got to connect. The reason why I was thinking that, because uh, I'm a black sheep of my family. And I always wondered growing up, like, why? why like why why is my whole family turned against me and uh they don't like my viewpoint because a lot of stuff was the things that we talk about today just are normal things back then were taboo mm -hmm. and so i was wondering I'm like well look at where we are today why don't they reach out to me all these years later and say okay you was right or something but it, it, it hasn't happened but i wondered why I was a black sheep back then and then I found out so once I got into this podcast space and started talking about things that were different and not the regular I was shunned by my own podcast community of financial people because see I don't necessarily talk about finances per se mm -hmm. I just talk about Oh, say that again. Say that again. I said in the traditional sense, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not the traditional budget save. I'm more of why is this news outlet hiding the fact that LeBron James owns his own family foundation, and from that family foundation, it can save thirty to forty percent of not being taxed. That's the way I, I I use my discernment to look at a news story and know. I also have to know that how the tax system works. And I just combine the two and say, yo, they're trying to play us. They're telling you that he's a multi-billionaire because he's a basketball player and that he owns a pizzeria. But really, he's a multi-billionaire because he has a family foundation that actually allows him to make moves through the family foundation without being taxed at a heavy cost. That's why he's able to play the game at the highest level. But see, that type of conversation is not in your textbook. It's not easily digestible. You have to know these things. You can't just Google it. But anyway, so I was, I was the black sheep of the, this, these crew of people. I never really wanted to fit in with them. We were just in the same genre somewhat. Mm -hmm. 
And I said, oh, that's why I was a black sheep as a child. I had to be, if if you can survive your family, Listen. not riding with you, this ain't nothing. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. So let me know. Oh, one other thing. I was going to, before I ask you how people can work with you, uh, there's another quote out there uh, similar to, we were talking about pure gold, uh, just these different concepts. There's another concept out there called the counterfeit show up before the real thing shows up. The counterfeit shows up before the blessing shows up. A lot of times in our life, we'll meet the fake thing before we meet, meet the real thing. I call it practice. Say that again. I call it practice. Ooh. It's just practice. Like you, you'll continuously go through the same test until you learn the lesson, if you choose to learn the lesson, right? Yeah. But for things such as that, it's just practice so that you're ready when you get the real thing. Like you won't self-sabotage because you did it with this fake one. And now you're like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that anymore because I really do want this thing. I really mm -hmm. do want to make this. So the next time around, You'll hit the bullseye, but you got to practice before you actually make a basket. Mm, I like that. Thank you for saying that. How do people connect with you? How do they collab with you? How do they work with you? How do they partner with you? All that good stuff. Definitely. You can find all of that at jatiajones.com. I say my playground is Instagram. If you want me to respond fast in the DMs, that's where you contact me. And that's at jatiajones also. But I am on all other sites, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and so, yeah, just you can contact me, go to JatiaJones.com. And then from there, choose what you need and how I can help you. All right. Thank you for sharing that. I have one last uh, fun question for you before we head out. Mm -hmm. You said you're a bartender. You've mentioned it a few times in this episode. And mm -hmm. I would be a horrible podcaster if I did not ask this question. What is your favorite drink to put together, to serve, or just to consume since um, you know, you're in that space? Yeah, definitely. So I am all about personalization and customization. So put together is all about the person that I'm putting it together for. Mm. But my personal drink is, I guess what they would call a Kentucky meal. I love me some good whiskey with ginger or ginger ale or ginger beer and just make sure it has two limes. Um, so, and it just depends on what type of whiskey, depends on how much I want to turn up and what I'm okay. celebrating. <laughs> okay. I've never had that before, but I will keep that in mind. Uh, Jatia, thank you so much. I knew this conversation uh, would be uh, next dimension. And I knew that we would uh, get along. That's very important, surprisingly. When you're putting together an episode, you want to get along with the person. Agreed. It's <laughs> so supposed I to be fun. You, uh, having a great spirit and uh, being part of Black Equity Podcast. You're now part of the network. And I know that may not mean anything this very second, but uh, as people are looking for great opportunities, they come to Black Equity Network. Uh, one of the places they come to is Black Equity Network, and then they're going to find you. And so I'm glad that you're part of uh, what we're building here. Thank you so much. And I am uh, definitely happy to be a part of it. And thank you for giving me the introduction into the network and having this great conversation. It's been fun. Thank you.
Thank you so much. You have a full invite to come back in the future and chop it up again. Maybe another conspiracy theory will make its way out there and we can dissect it together. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'll talk to you soon.